Yo, partnership alert, partnership alert, partnership alert. Living Corporate has a partnership with LinkedIn Learning, an American massive open online course provider that provides video courses taught by industry experts across a wide array of subjects. Now, the partnership is because Living Corporate has courses on LinkedIn Learning focused on diversity, equity, inclusion for leaders, career professionals, and anyone really looking to upskill themselves and be better allies. So make sure you check out our courses on LinkedIn Learning by clicking the link in the show notes. And let's just say you don't want to do that. You go to LinkedIn Learning on LinkedIn, search Living Corporate. We'll be right there. All right. Peace. Howdy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the break room. I am Dr. Brian Dixon. Um, This is, oh, well, let me introduce the break room. So the break room is a podcast about uh, mental health for black folks at work. And so I'm Dr. Brian Dixon. I'm one of your uh, co-hosts for this evening. I am a psychiatrist, child and adolescent psychiatrist in the uh, pseudo great state of Texas in the city of Fort Worth. And I'm super stoked to be here tonight with my co-host, Dr. Nikki. I love the pseudo great state of Texas. That <laughs> start saying that uh, the faux great state of Texas. Mm. Hello, everyone. I am Dr. Nikki Coleman. I am a licensed psychologist again here in the faux state of Texas, <laughs> faux great state of Texas. Um, and my specialty is counseling psychology, and I work with adult clients, um, particularly Black women and couples who are having relationship issues, sexuality issues. And I also do um, diversity, equity, and inclusion training as the other part of my day job. So we're excited to be with you again. The di- I'm, I'm start calling us the dynamic duo, which is I, like a little bit of shade, but... Yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. Because <laughs> Dr. GJ and uh, Dr. Lawanda may get, uh, may, may get a little jealous, and we don't want to make them jealous. No, right? we don't. We don't. Yeah. Well, we are super stoked that y'all are here this evening. Uh, we have a great show for y'all because it is Pride Month, and we are talking about LGBTQ. Um, we're going to talk a, a little bit about um, trans uh, gender, I think, next week and being transgender and the transgender experience. So we're not forgetting about y'all. Y'all are definitely on our mind, and we're super pumped that uh, we have a whole month for us. So um, to remind everybody about what we do in the break room, we always start off with the tea, which is always something that uh, something in the news is going on that we want to talk about, and we got a good one for y'all tonight. And then we move over into whatever we're talking about for the day. And so being uh, LGBTQ at work is what we're going to hit on, some of the big things especially how they relate uh, in the intersection with black folks. And then we'll go to the last nerve and we have a good last nerve uh, tonight as well. So I'm going to kick it over to Dr. Nikki, who is going to give us the tea. The tea, as I just took a sip of my tea. Um, I, this tea I'm excited to actually have a, have a little bit of conversation with you about because it's fascinating to me. So we all know we're coming out of slowly um, and also sort of unofficially coming out of the uh, pandemic, also known as the pandemonium or the panini uh, or the panorama also is <laughs> what I heard. I love I it. To switch it up. Um, but what happened in the pandemic was that you had vast number of people move into a work remote culture, right? We, were, we had to work from home to keep people safe, to keep people alive. And there's sort of this split that is happening in the world of work where some businesses and, and 
organizations are recognizing like, hmm, this is pretty cost effective. Mm-hmm. It's worker friendly. Um, and it actually can not necess- not um, at all um, impede our productivity. It might actually even increase our productivity. Correct. Yep. Increase productivity. Yes, ma'am. But then there's a whole other side, <laughs> the whole other sector that is saying, you must come to work now. That is my boomer voice. And I recognize I'm being very um, ageist in doing that. <laughs> but I do think there's a theme, um, I think, around uh, people of a certain generation in a certain sort of worldview that are really demanding folks to come back to work, to be back in the office. And this mm-hmm. idea around visibility being equated with productivity Um but workers are saying, nah, no, 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 no way. They're saying, Mm-mm. no, thank you. They be I saying, mean, no, 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 no. no, no. no. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so it's really fascinating sort of why, and I, I haven't had to contend with that, that tension just yet. I'm not quite sure what my organization is going to do. I am very much in the camp of work from home. Like there's, there's some parts of my job I think that would be ameliorated if I were face to face in some parts, but I don't need to be there to do my job. Mm. Um, and it's just very fascinating how there are droves of um, employees that are leaving in organizations and companies and moving to places where they can work remote because there's so much more flexibility. Um, I think it's much more employee and and sort of consequently, unfortunately, human friendly, right? Like recognizing mm-hmm. you being there at eight, o- eight o'clock at your cubicle don't really mean that you're going to get more work done before nope. you leave at five. Um, and so if I can do carpool for my kiddos or get laundry done or be there to receive the repair man or whatever while still doing my work, that creates a whole different dynamic in people's um, ability to sort of hold on to their identity, I think, and still do work. Mm -hmm. So I'm sort of fascinated to see what happens, like who's going to win out, right? Because this is really sort of a power dynamic or sort of the institutional leaders Mm -hmm. that are not, are like, you know, from my cold dead hands. (laughs) (laughs) Or will sort of the demands of the workforce um, really sort of shift what's going to happen? Yeah, so I, I think that's a great question, too. Uh, it's been really interesting to see um, also wages, right? So wages have been stagnant for like decades. And uh, even though there was all this shady stuff going on about, oh, well, if you pay people to stay home, if you're giving them unemployment benefits, they're going to be incentivized to stay home. And uh, from everything I'm reading and seeing, that that theory isn't is not actually panning out. People aren't doing that. Instead, people are saying, I don't want to, especially our frontline workers, our essential mm-hmm. workers, they're like, I don't want to necessarily go back because either, number one, I can do something, try to find a way to work from home, or there are other jobs opening up, or you need to actually pay and protect the people that are there. And yeah, and I'm like, that totally makes sense. Like, it, you should be innovating. So you should be providing personal protective equipment. You should be providing security if you need to. You should be educating your customers and consumers uh, to not be acting a damn fool because don't take it out on the cashier. It ain't their fault, right? And so I, I, I'm I, I'm kind of uh, pumped. This is kind of like a Rosie the Riveter kind of thing because people are yeah. like, screw this shit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to, I don't have to take this. And mm-hmm. I think about the work, in, the actual work environment. Well, one, 
um, so many corporate spaces went to these open plans, right? Where mm-hmm. nobody has their own desk, <laughs> and nobody's in an office. And I'm like, these are cesspools for all the germs. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've learned this the very hard way. So you're going to have to spend money one way or the other. You're going to spend money retrofitting these spaces, or you come up with some sort of hybrid program that allows certain percentage to people be on certain days and other days. Then I, I read some stuff about people saying you can work from home, but not on Monday and Friday. Let me tell you something. If I want to fly <laughs> to the Caribbean, I can leave Monday evening, be gone mm-hmm. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and come back Friday. Like that doesn't, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's just such an antiquated perspective and a real reflection of, for me, what this pandemic has demonstrated is one, how global we are really like we are really a global society Mm -hmm. something on the entire other side of the world can literally halt all everything for Mm -hmm. life as we know it here but also like we are more interdependent in that way too and but lastly like workers as employees we have more leverage than i think um, the systems allowed us to believe that we had up until this. And so now it's kind of like, you know, I, one of my favorite sort of uh, stories is The Wizard of Oz, The Wiz, all the variations. And I feel like people are like, oh, that ain't nothing but Richard Pryor in a row back here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you just give the movie away? Come on now. Yeah, Dr. Nick. Yeah, I'm yeah, I was <laughs> um, but, but I feel like, you know, people are like, Mm-mm, you got to talk to me like I matter because mm-hmm. now that I know that I do. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, we'll see. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting as well uh, that within the course of a year, we've created a new verb because the new verb is Zoom. Oh, are you going to Zoom today? Right. And oh. you're like, wait a minute. This is that that did not exist. A, uh, what, a 13 months ago, um, yeah. 15 months ago. Right. And so I to me, oh, my gosh, it's been like the longest year ever. Um, but it, it proves to me that human beings can learn. Right. Americans can learn. We don't have any excuse for the stupid shit that we keep doing. Right. We now know that we need to incorporate more uh, learning from home for education. We know we need to incorporate more uh, work from home because we can it, we we just don't want to pay for it and now's the time when we talk about our wa- uh, washcloth reparations uh now's the time for us to get it done that's all yes, i got to say absolutely absolutely so that's a little tea we wanted to sip on but we're, let's switch a bit because it is pride month love it uh. <laughs> Yes. And so uh, to set up our discussion for today, so Dr. Nikki is going to be leading us in our discussion. And so uh, we're going to talk about what it's like to be uh, LGBTQ at work. Um, uh, and we're going to delve into some of the intersectionality. We're going to delve and talk about um, some of the, the rules and uh, regulations, not about us being out uh, at the workplace, but what protects us in the workplace. And so I'll kick it back over to uh, Dr. Nikki, and then I'm just going to be the, uh, the, the fly that flits around and, uh, and, uh, asked, uh, and throws in my two cents. So take you it away. Far, far more than that. So <laughs> Just, you know, I always, I like to never assume that that everybody's on the same page. So we're talking about um, lesbian, gay, bisexual, queer people. And sometimes you might see the act, the full acronym being LGBTQIA+, right? We want to represent everybody sort of across the sexual um, spectrum and, and sometimes sort of anything that is um, decentered of heterosexual, heterosexual is what we include in this. Um, LGBTQIA plus spectrum. And what we wanted to do specifically, because we want to first, let's disentangle these ideas around sexuality, sexual orientation, and gender, 
And so part of the reason why we've set up our shows over these next couple of weeks is to sort of pull that apart. And so we're going to talk about the LGBTQ, I'm sorry, the LG, yes, LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. I was like, did I add the T by accident because <laughs> I'm so used to it? I know. <laughs> but we're going to intentionally sort of talk about what role sexual orientation um and, and for me, I think this is what this will pull us into some of our ideas around stereotyping as well as around intersectionality um, and what that might look like in the workplace. What are some potential stressors um, or different experiences of navigating the world of work when you're black and LGBTQ? And then next week, we're going to specifically talk about the experience of our trans brothers and sisters and what that um, experience around gender difference in gender identity plays out in the workplace. So just want to clarify that for folks, that we're being intentional about how we're uh, uh, sort of disentangling these concepts. So first, we want to talk about sex and sexual orientation, right? And basically, when we talk about LGBTQ, we're talking about who you're attracted to, who do you feel romantic uh, connection to, who do you feel sexual connection to? Who, when you think about partnership and building your life with someone, and what is the the gender of that person? Um, and so, oftentimes, we'll talk about same-sex loving folks. Um, so, w- women who love being with other women as lesbian, men who love being with other men, gay people who are sort of. Uh, able to be with someone regardless of their gender. We'll talk about them in terms of bisexuality. And there's folks who are able to be with other people regardless of sort of whatever body they're in. And we could talk about them as pansexual. And then there's Q for all the folks who are like, I'm not that, but I'm also not that, but I'm also Mm -hmm. not that either, but I'm not heterosexual. So I'm going to go over here and hang out with these people because they're super cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's all that we want to talk about. But part of what has happened um, sort of systematically, systemically and historically across time is that we um, as a collective have sort of, I think, um, added on a whole lot of extra baggage and uh, expectations, stereotypes about folks based on their sexual orientation. And so part of what I love about Pride Month and about just sort of the LGBTQIA plus community is it's a community that's sort of self-identified and said, oh, you don't want me over here? Well, cool. I'm going to go mm-hmm. over here with people who do want me. And we're going to have a good time and define ourselves and build a culture and uplift ourselves when you will refuse to. Um, and so this really comes into play, I think, a lot when we talk about the intersections thereof of being a racial ethnic minority, so to speak, right? So being a black person, and we know about, and we've talked a lot about on this show, the experiences of Mm -hmm. anti-blackness and the context of sort of living in a white supremacist culture. And then you add on the experiences or um, build into the experience of being um, sort of marginalized in terms of your sexual orientation. And so you have the intersection thereof of potentially being marginalized and experiencing oppression with regard to your race as well as your sexual orientation. And so that can oftentimes look like, and I, I think the, the term marginalized is really important to use here because oftentimes that can look like not feeling connected to or safe or seen or valued within the black community because of your queerness, um, but also not necessarily feeling centered or valued or seen 
um, inside of the queer community, right? Because of your blackness. Mm -hmm. And so sort of navigating life at those margins, learning, um, one, I think we, until we, we talk about in terms of mental health, we think about, you know, identity development. So we think about what's the process of me figuring out who I am in the context of me experiencing um, all of this potential discrimination within groups as well as between groups, right? Um, and then we could extend that and think about what that might show up um, like at the workplace. Um, that can oftentimes look like microaggressions, um, just very clear stereotyping, right? Mm-hmm. And that can even be extended to, um, as we know and ex- could talk about how um, stereotypes and uh, expectations about us due to anti-blackness can limit our career potential, can sort of sideline us, marginalize us as a um, in the workplace. Same things can sort of happen once you start adding in this layer of sexual orientation. And so the opportunity for um, challenge for uh, a certain level or a specific experience of stress um, and navigating difficulties in the workplace uh, becomes exponentially fraught, I think, sometimes. Uh, and yeah, go ahead. So I have a question, Dr. Nikki. Um, yes. So because with my with my blackness, I can't hide my blackness, right? I show up to work, right. you see what I look like. And so especially when it comes to identity development at work, right? Because at work, you have your job description and they tell you what to do, right? For pretty much anywhere you go. Um, how do we blend all those things together, right? Because I, I, yeah. I bring my blackness in with my job description, right? Mm-hmm. And that has its own stuff. But, okay, I'm also gay. So what do I do? Like, does that mean that I have to let people know that I'm gay? Does that Do I need to keep it to myself? Like, because, like, how does, yeah. how does that all play in? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question, right? So we could talk about visible identities or visible indicators and then invisible ones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so what you're talking about is terms of sexual orientation as being an invisible um, cultural identity. Um, and I think I think that there are, I think it's a nuanced conversation, right? I think on, I think, um, so let me say it this way. Um, there could be an argument that one should be out and proud as an indicator of their mental wellness with their sexual orientation. But there's also the recognition that that comes at a different cost for folks. And I would specifically say for folks that are black and brown, Mm -hmm. that comes at a different potential threat or a Mm -hmm. different cost, not only in terms of your community, um, your your race or ethnic community, but also particularly in the workplace, right? Uh, Because for me, this is how I think about it. At the end of the day, everything is about relationships. Mm-hmm. Whether you excel or whether you fail in the workplace is about your ability to connect with other people. And oftentimes for black folks, that's ability to not be seen as threatening. With, with our anti-blackness, oftentimes that threatening is labeled as um, aggressive, right? We're so aggressive or I don't know, there's like, I guess, a potential that we're going to be violent or we're so straightforward, all of these sort of negative things. And I, in my experience, the the threat um, around sexual orientation has just been otherness. Like, um, I don't quite know how to talk to you. I don't want to offend mm-hmm. you, right? Because our heterosexist bias is so strong. Our cisgender bias is so strong. And for me, I think people sort of shy away or pull back from because either in some, for some folks still, there's this presumed, presumed 
fear around homophobia, right? If I'm mm -hmm. too close with the gay guy at work, are people going to think I'm gay? Yep. And then that's a threat to me and my masculinity because we know that plays a role in how you're able to show up at work and succeed. Mm -hmm. So all of that said, right? I think to answer your question simply is it really depends on the individual and also knowing the culture of work and the place that they work in, right? Mm -hmm. um, I know you're going to talk a little bit more about rights um, in a little bit, but so I have to think about the state of Texas and we're mm -hmm. an at-will employer. Yep. And very clearly, someone can fire you just because. They've mm -hmm. said, mm, you're not a good fit here. Mm, you're too difficult to manage. Ooh, you've been subordinate, whatever. Mm -hmm. You're gone. Yep. And I know that that is a real concern for LGBTQIA folks here in the state of Texas, especially, and we'll talk more next week about trans folks. Like if I start to show up at work as my full present self, who here will I offend that I didn't know that I didn't even know I would offend. Right. Cause all of a sudden now that I'm being more present, I trigger you, whatever your unresolved stuff is. And you could take that out on me. And so I think it is important for us, especially as mental health professionals to, to always think about context and always think about nuance. Mm -hmm. Um, ideally, optimally, we want to have workspaces and all of these companies, that have these DEI initiatives. The I stands for inclusion. Okay. Yeah. The I stands for inclusion. Just want to remind you. <laughs> we should have spaces, processes, um, capacity for mm -hmm. folks to be able to show up as full versions of themselves. With that also meaning how you may show up as a gay black man does not mean it looks like how the other gay black man shows up. That don't Reach. make you less black. That don't make him less gay. Y'all just present in the way that is authentic to you. Mm -hmm. And that's the hardest part. Oh my gosh, yeah. it's super hard. So there's a um, documentary called, I think it's called The Butch Factor or maybe The Adonis mm. Factor, I can't remember. Uh, but essentially they make the, yeah, they make the, <laughs> they make the point. Uh, and uh, one of the um, people in the movie uh, was mm -hmm. wearing his pink pumps and he was walking up and down the Castro district. Oop, can you still hear me? Oh, um, I think you muted. Uh, yes. Oh, okay. Okay. No, no, no. Okay, good. I was just like, wait a minute. Um, I was going to type and I yes. know sometimes that can be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go ahead and type. I'll, I'll talk for a little bit. And so in this movie, uh, one of the points that they made towards the end is there was a, uh, a wonderful um, guy who was wearing his pink pumps up and down the Castro district. Uh, and he made the point of, you know, what is masculinity? And when I wear my pink pumps, uh, that to me says masculinity because I am courageous. I am accepting myself. I am authentic to myself. Mm -hmm. And when I first watched it before I was like truly embracing who I am, I was like, ooh, you know, super effeminate. And if I saw that in my workplace, I'd be like, ooh, that makes me uncomfortable because I have my own internalized homophobia and all this yeah. stuff. Well, then after watching that video and giving it some thought and going to therapy myself, I was like, wait, Wait a minute, you know, being your authentic self is, you know, quote unquote, being a man, whatever that means, right? That has its own toxic uh, connotations, but uh, it's the idea that uh, every, it's different for everybody. So yes, you can be that um, a black gay man that is, you know, got your nails done and your manicure in the whole nine yards, or you can be the black gay guy who has the beard, or you can be the black gay guy who, um, you know, is doing whatever you're doing as long as you're authentic to yourself. So I think that's yes. brilliant. So uh, th that brings me to this piece around professionalism, which um, 
makes me just irate. <laughs> every, like, it, like I feel every time I say the word, it just gets caught in my throat. Because for me, it's such codif- codified. No, what do they call it? Dog whistle. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. To me, it's such a dog whistle for white supremacy. And so I'll say one of the... Uh, some institutions are more conservative than others, right? And professionalism looks like all of these sort of intangible ways that uh, white supremacy culture tries to police you in your pre- presentation, in your speech, in your interactions, um, in your dress, right? All of those sort of things. And so um, there's been conversation in more conservative spaces around, well, is it okay for a male employee to have their nails done? Is it okay for a male employee to dress in clothing that is not connected to masculine clothing, right? And so could you be sanctioned for that? And even if you're not actually sanctioned in the workplace, are you ostracized? Are you marginalized? Are are you somehow left off the group me, out of the slack, um, <laughs> right? Just yep. somehow all of a sudden, oh, you know, you were not included in that slack. I'm so sorry, right? All of these little ways. Um, and so I do think that sort of that there's an individual decision for you, one, to wrestle with what your identity is, Right. Mm -hmm. And one of the other things that has always beleaguered me about our overall society is we have this really limited notion that like you work on figuring yourself out through maybe college. And then Mm -hmm. after that, you're supposed to be set in stone. Yep. Do you know how much life there is post 22, 21? (laughs) Like folks is living to 90 something, 100 and something. That's a lot of set in stone. So one, I think we just all need to have a little bit more flexibility around allowing ourselves Mm -hmm. as well as others to continue to play and grow and figure that out, Mm -hmm. number one. So you have your own process of identity, Mm -hmm. and then how do you navigate that in the workplace? Um, And sometimes I think there are folks, no, and we think about the big population, right? Some folks are more risk aversive and some folks Mm -hmm. are more risk taking. And so I think oftentimes those of us that are more risk taking are on the vanguard. We sort of push the limits mm-hmm. um, and make people uncomfortable just by us being us. I'm using us very. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so part of part of what, you know, I think um, mental wellness is sort of being aware of the context. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing what you can do and what you can't do sort of playing with those limits and figuring that out on the other side I'm, and I know you want to jump in but I do uh-huh. want to say this because I think this is also important on the other side I also think you are well within your rights to determine if a place is so oppressive or so exclusive or so demeaning to who you are right so I'm not I'm not encouraging anyone to suffer microaggressions in silence or to suffer stereotyping in silence um, but Learning where that line is for you, right, I think is an individual decision. Mm -hmm. And so, Dr. Nikki, I was going to throw out to you because I actually uh, had this conversation with a different person. We were talking about what it's like to be out at work and that sort of thing. And um, uh, it was a white guy. So there there are lots of mannerisms and, um, I don't know, jargony things that Mm -hmm. uh, we do in the gay community that, to me, is very clearly... 
um, uh, acculturated from black women. So, you know, the yes, child, and yes, and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so at work, some of these things are happening, and there are, um, you know, some of my uh, white male friends, gay friends, who are doing that, and I'm kind of just like, sometimes it makes me nervous because I don't know what to say because that is, I mean, you know, first off, there's the heteronormative, okay, that's not professional because we're supposed to be very straight laced. Right. So I, I don't ever want to be like, no, you can't do that because of that. But then I, I see it as a black guy. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of, it's kind of our thing, right? And then I'm like, yeah. well, is it our thing? And then I'm like, oh, should I just not say anything? Uh, so yeah, I'd love to get your your take on that. Yeah, I, I find this fascinating. Somebody called the other day, um, Somebody called it a black scent. Why why are you speaking with a black scent? And I was like, I have to really sit with that language and that description. Um, So I will say, so I have a... uh, I have a nine-year-old daughter, and she is very femme. She is high femme. She likes all things associated with femininity. And so we just, well, she discovered RuPaul's Drag Race Mm. um, last year in the pandemic. And so we watched, and she is just, like, (laughs) fascinated, right? Um, And we have people that we root for. Who do we want to win? All that sort of stuff. And so um, watching that has been more of sort of, I've had this internal conversation around, is it a celebration of black women, right? Like, you know, what do they say? Imitation is the highest form of flattery. Mm-hmm. Or is it mocking? I, I don't, and, and to your point, I think at some point it gets so um, extracted and distorted. I don't think that they think about it in that way, but mm-hmm. it feels very familiar to me as a black woman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think part of my response to your question would be to say, would you be talking like this if I if if you weren't having a conversation with me? Uh, good idea. Good point. That's a very yeah. Good like, point. does your does your gayness show up in the same way mm-hmm. among other white folks as it does with with me? Yeah, I'm just curious. And yeah. for me, I always start with the question. I almost always start with the place of curiosity because that actually is where you can have conversation or dialogue, right? And it allows you to at least begin to be open to hearing their other perspective. And also you'll get a lot of data from the other person's response. Do they get defensive? Do they try to change the subject? Do they deflect? Do they stop and actually think about it, right? Do they try to gaslight you? Uh, That gives you a lot of information about their intentionality Mm -hmm. and how much opportunity there is for dialogue, for growth, for discussion if you start off with a question. So then you have to model that for me because my first instinct is to go like, what the hell, what are you doing, right? But that's very judgmental and that's not, that's not, yeah. So how do you get, model that for us? What, so, what would you say? Um, you know, I'm going to use, I'm going to, I'm going to be stereotypic. You know, Chad, <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, Chad, the other day we were in the break room grabbing a cappuccino and um, I said, I love hazelnut creamer. And you hit me with a yas, queen. <laughs> <laughs> and though I'm making this up on the fly, I'm sure it feels oh, very resonant. It happens so, all like, the time. Why? Yeah. why? And I just, you know, I, that really stood out to me. I was curious about that reaction. It just felt a little bit big for that moment. And I was just wondering... <laughs> Is that typically how you engage with other gay folks in your community? Just 
wonder, I'm just curious. I like that. And that yeah. was very, that was very subtle. You weren't, uh, yeah, it was very opening and yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank mm-hmm. you for modeling that. <laughs> but because the other thing is, um, let me say it this way. And this is what I used to, this is what I still always teach, especially when we talk about unconscious bias. Um, not all biases are unconscious. Some of these are just straight up conscious, right? But, um, I think sometimes folks are engaging in bad behavior, not because they want to, but just because they don't know what else to do. Like, um, and I'm not, I'm not giving any passes because what I always say is if you step on my big toe on purpose, it hurts. But if you get up and walk past me and you step on my big toe, it still hurts. It still hurts. Mm -hmm. So the impact is the same on me, but if the relationship is important and for what, whatever way that you want to d- define that importance, but if the relationship is important, then it's worth sort of poking at to sort of peek at a little bit more because again, you're going to get a lot of data, right? Mm-hmm. If Chad says, not you with this shit, right? Yeah. Then that lets you know, okay, Chad, go on over there with your hazelnut, right? Okay. I see you. I know everything now I need to know about you, Chad. <laughs> But if Chad goes, what? Huh? Oh, man, I don't know. Right. I just saw it on RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm -hmm. You know that you get data. So that's why I always say when you start off with the question, when you start off sort of as um, effortless about it as possible, as non-threatening as possible, you're going to get information. And Mm -hmm. then it is up to you to navigate accordingly to. continue to move through that situation in a way that benefits you best. Love it. Love it. What else have we talked about? Well, so um, I think this is a great segue into um, LGBTQ folks knowing their rights at work, right? So, yes, unfortunately, in some states, you can still um, be um, um, fired just uh, if you're transgender, which we'll talk about next week. Um, Generally, nobody should be doing those uh, those types of things, firing you for any reason, unless you live uh, live in a state that can do that termination thing at will, like we live in Texas. Um, uh, depending on where your rights are, uh, uh, I just do some basic, uh, housekeeping stuff. So for every person, when you get hired on at whatever job, figure out where your, your allies are. Um, and, uh, keep in mind, HR is not your friend. They're there to protect the company, but they do have written documentation of what your rights are. And you should really, really, um, always refresh yourself on those. And then what your benefits are. So y'all, um, every company, depending on how big the company is, some companies are really small and other companies are huge corporations, but there are lots of benefits that I don't think, uh, we as black people and especially us as, um, uh, LGBTQ people take advantage of. Um, you just have to ask. And so if there are certain, um, health, uh, policies, so anytime that a company goes and buys a health plan, so Blue Cross Blue Shield, Cigna, all of those, uh, insurance companies that I hate, um, your HR is your advocate, right? So if you get a really shitty plan or the plans don't cover anything, or if the plan's not covering your spouse, or if there are these car- these weird, what we call carve outs, where they're carving out mental health, or they're carving out different things, ask your HR. Your HR is your, uh, is your intermediary between you and that, um, that benefits company. And if you're paying the benefits, you need to get as many benefits as you can. Like if you're paying your premiums every month, 
um, get as many benefits as you can. Uh, and with that said, we do, uh, especially again, uh, black folks uh, and uh, black gay folks, uh, we do a really terrible job of kind of involving our family end of life planning. Now, sometimes it's because our families are assholes and have disowned us and, you know, that that whole thing happens, unfortunately. Uh, but if you can get, uh, you know, term life insurance, so big companies can buy term life insurance really, really cheap. Um, uh, and then you can also buy your own term life insurance so that you don't leave a, behind a burden for uh, the rest of your family. And I think just we as black folks, sometimes we uh, forget that we have the power to do that. Um, whole life insurance is his own thing. Talk to your financial advisor and the uh, co-hosts of The Break Room do not give medical or legal advice. All right. Thanks. No, All right. Thank yeah. Or, or financial <laughs> advice. OK. Um, but just ask about it. Right. Um, uh, disability insurance. So if you are working somewhere in that kind of mid corporate range and up, you absolutely better have a disability policy, period. And if you don't have a disability policy, let's let's uh, send us an email at thebreakroom at living-corporate.com. Uh, again, we don't give advice, but we can connect you to a whole bunch of folks because most people don't die on the job. Most people get disabled uh, for any number of reasons. And you want to be able to have some kind of income um, uh, coming in. Uh, and then, of course, the last uh, part is make sure you know your uh, your leave rights. So different states, different companies do different things and they will consider um, different um, like family members or partners or spouses differently. So part of me says that if you're going to start that job uh, and you're either partnered with someone, married with someone, living with someone, ask all those questions. May as well do it then, right when you first get hired. Um, yeah. As somebody told me, uh, one of my uh, attendings told me, Brian, whatever job you go on, uh, you better ask for everything you want in that first six months. Because then after oh, that, gosh, after that, it's yeah. like um, being on a <laughs> cell phone plan. They don't care about the old customer, but they nope. will do what they can to get that new customer. Absolutely. <laughs> they yeah, yes. <laughs> absolutely. So make sure to ask, because, again, while um, uh, a lot of companies won't make it very obvious. And so you truly, truly have to advocate for yourself. Uh, you have to advocate for your family. As always, if you're in a company where they, uh, uh, where you're supposed to be getting your breaks, take your breaks. If you, if you have vacation, take your PTO. Do not leave PTO on the table. Yeah. I just, I just, people, it blows my mind. And I have a company and some of my employees are like, Oh, you know, I'll roll it over. And we let that happen for a while. But then they were, I was like, why I, we give you PTO so you can leave. This company will survive. If you ain't here, go, yes. this is your mental health, right? Yes. So go. So y'all take your PTO, um, especially, you know, go to pride parade. Hey, you know, yeah. Yes. <laughs> The other thing that um, came to mind listening to you um, that I want to make sure we, we cover is um, many companies under the under the auspice of their DEI, whatever that looks like, whether mm -hmm. it's engagement and belongingness or equity and inclusion, whatever, you know what the words are in your own company. Uh, many of them will have ERGs, so employee resource groups, or sometimes some progressive companies might even have affinity groups um, or um, employee support groups. And so um, having an identified space for LGBTQ folks in the organization to network, um, to uh, engage in um, professional development is another space where it can help you sort of figure out what are the boundaries, what are the safe spaces, um, and, and network with other folks that are like you, right? So that you can get a better sense of having a community within the bigger organization if mm -hmm. 
if for whatever reason you may feel disconnected or ostracized or marginalized um, in your particular unit, uh, using that ERG or employee network group might be another space for you to think about navigating through the organization or institution. I love it. And uh, before we get to the last nerve, so uh, Dr. Nikki, another thing I wanted to throw out, and, and it's a harken back to the podcast that uh, Dr. G Day and myself did uh, when we were talking about sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. And I bring this up because one of the first things that happened when I'm around straight guys that I don't know and they know that I'm gay is they're like, oh my God, are you hitting on me? And I'm like, no. I mean, I, I have like a million no other chance. things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, mm, I have like a million other things to think about and worry about then uh, if I'm hitting on you. Um, but then it, it makes me, it, it calls to mind. So what is appropriate workplace, be, not behavior, but what can you say or do? So like if I come to work and so I'm, I'm big on colognes. I, I grew up, my daddy, mm. my daddy is old black preacher and he likes, you know, he likes to wear him some cologne, right? So I grew up um, loving colognes. And so if I, if somebody walks by, I'll be like, man, what it what are you wearing right yeah, yeah. Um, and and then it makes me think well wait a minute you know because most people at work know that I'm uh, I'm gay and so then I'm like oh are they thinking that I'm hitting on them and so mm-hmm. then I get all paranoid and then I start to act weird and da 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 and so yeah. I I just I would love any any of your comments of like how do we how do we manage that um, you know interacting with people when mm-hmm. you're surrounded by folks who may not understand what it is to be gay or bi yeah. or queer or that sort of thing but this is where i also think having that erg having employee networks have a dei office really should be setting some of the tone around mm-hmm. that right at least doing some basic education for folks in the workplace mm-hmm. having that be accessible to folks in the workplace as a good working uh, place to start but then also in thinking about um the other resources every hr or at least compliance office should also have like a title nine officer or somebody related to that so really getting a working understanding of what is sexual harassment in the workplace identifying that and i think you do need to sort of be armed with this this is the additional burden or labor of being part of a marginalized community you need to be aware of what your rights and protections are um, in the workplace. So I would say having that working information is also just like a really great place to start. Um, And I think sort of, um, I think letting your behavior speak for itself and, and also being careful about when you have those sort of interactions, who else is around, right? Are you, isn't it an intimate moment in the bathroom? <laughs> yeah, that would be awkward. Good point. Yeah. You see what I'm saying, yeah. right? And so using those sort of basic interpersonal skills that you've <laughs> grown and navigated with, right, throughout life, right, to think about that sort of piece. Um, or if you're having team meetings, right, or a huddle, let's wait till there's some other couple people, somebody in here smells good. Who is that? Right. Mm-hmm. So rather than making it direct um, doing that and I think navigating sort of your personal space and body space the same way you would with any other employee, mm-hmm. um, uh, I think is also sort of just smart mm-hmm. a way of sort of navigating the space. Um, but I so I am a big fan of getting the intel from the beginning. Right. So I'm I'm a big I observe that is part of my joy as an introvert. So I like to get the lay of the land. And I think that that's what you do and and really using those allies at work. Who are the safe people at work that I can ask? Now, what about this person? Are they cool or not, right? Um, What do you think if I brought this up around such and such? And using that 
um, interpersonal mm -hmm. culture of the organization, of the company, to help you sort of navigate what's going to be okay and what's not going to be okay. Yep, that is awesome and extremely helpful. Uh, at the end of the day, treat other people as you want to be treated, y'all. You can't go wrong unless you're a psychopath. Somebody said something about the platinum rule, but I can't even remember. Do you, don't treat people the way you want to be treated. Treat them better the way they want to be treated. Or I don't know. It was something like that. And I was Ooh. like, I don't know about that. Yeah, that's profound, but that's real long. Uh, the longer it is, the more I'm like, I don't know, Lord. But also, what about my own agency? That's where I come in. Why I got to treat you the way you want to be treated? Maybe, maybe that's not good for me. But anyway. We definitely digress. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. Well, um, so y'all normally, and I, if y'all have watched our other podcasts, which you, I'm sure you have, uh, normally Dr. Nikki uh, is bringing uh, The Last Nerve, uh, which is where we get to go off about something. Yes. Uh, she's giving it to me today, but I'm going to reserve a few, a few seconds at the end because if she has something that she needs to say, uh, I, I totally want to give you the floor. So I'm going to put two minutes on the clock. Because, uh, yeah, because we don't need no no long sermons because, no. you know, y'all got other stuff to go do. So I'm going to start <laughs> this. And y'all, the last nerve tonight, um, uh, before I start, the last nerve is uh, what happened with uh, uh, the tennis superstar, superstar, not tennis playing in the park, tennis superstar Naomi Osaka, who said, you know what, guys, I don't want to do these um, uh, press interviews because I'm an introvert and they make me depressed. And for my own mental health, I don't want to do them. And she got fined. And so she was like, you know what, I'm not I'm just going to not play in the tournament and people are losing their mind. So that's that's the last nerve. So first of all, she's a grown ass woman. She can do whatever the hell she wants. Right. That is that is her uh, autonomy and her agency. Um, so, number one, we respect that. Number two, we were just in Mental Health Awareness Month, y'all. Quit being assholes. Leave people alone. Let them experience themselves. We have been through a once in a century pandemic where people died. Right. Uh, leave people alone. Just let them have their space. Let them be authentic. Number three, um, we seem to have a problem with black women. Uh, right. So Naomi is like, hey, I need some time for my mental health and we don't give it to her. Nicole Hannah Jones is like, hey, I'm overly qualified for this fucking job uh, and I would really like to do it because it's a good idea because I've already paid y'all money because it's my alma mater. And they said no. Uh, Meghan Markle, I'm a damn princess. I'm a princess. And y'all still giving me shit. Right. So leave black women alone. There's nothing that you need to say to them that number one, they don't already know. Number two, they can do everything because one of them is the vice president of the United States of America. So leave them alone, pay them more money and leave them alone. And that's all I have to say about that. All of that. Yeah. <laughs> Took everything to keep my mouth shut. That's why I had to keep everything. But first and foremost, she is a grown black woman who is top of the top of the top at what she does. That's number one. Number two, don't deny black women their humanity. If she has mental health challenges, but she says this has led her to long bouts of depression. That's not just saying you hurt my feelings. That's saying this has a direct impact on my well-being. And I'm making a choice for me as my own priority to take care of myself. And then you're going to find me tens of thousands of dollars. Please. Get, I'm so I'm so sick of them. Yeah. Woo, woo, so child. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, <sighs> yeah. 
That is our last nerve. That's our um, last nerve. <laughs> we have enjoyed having y'all on this evening. Uh, thank y'all so much for joining us. Make sure you check out all the other podcasts because we, you know, we're going to keep them coming on Thursday nights, um, at 7 o'clock central and i don't know how to do the rest of the time <laughs> it's 5 p.m pst 7 cst 8 est only because i wasn't the one saying it i had oh, okay. time to do the math in my head yeah because i'm like mm. <laughs> uh, as always if you have any questions or comments send us a uh, email at the break room at living-corporate.com follow us on twitter and we will see y'all later be a friend tell a friend how about that Amen. I love it. Be a friend, <laughs> tell right. a friend. All right. Bye, y'all. Next week. Bye.